with Morgan streaking. She's chipping the goalkeeper. The pay disparity between the men and women is, is just too large and, and we want to continue to fight. Uh, the generation of players before us fought and now it's our job to, to keep on fighting. The pay cap for the women's Major League Soccer players is 11 times less than the pay cap for men's Major League Soccer. 11 times. Rapino gets across it. Listening to Give and Go with Rotas Wadera only on Girls Soccer Network. Hello and welcome. This is Give and Go on Family FM recording inside Canal Street Studio. I'm your host, Rotas Wadera, and thank you so much for making the choice to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. We have a tremendous amount of stuff planned on today's show. It is episode five. Sam Green the UCLA assistant coach on Amanda Cromwell's staff. Of course, the Bruins are one of the top teams in the country. We are very excited to bring that interview to you, all of the latest that's going on with them. And of course, we've got a wrap-up of the CONCACAF championship that the USA so easily handled their business. We also want to talk about Alex Morgan. The W League is starting up over in Australia. And... We've got plenty of other stuff in terms of the NCAA tournament, which by the time we have episode six, will be in full swing. So we have so much to talk about, and let's get right into it. So, of course, the United States played Canada in the final. It was what we expected, and of course, Canada did everything they possibly could to make it a ugly matchup, and sure enough, it was physical from the jump, and... Canadians left and right. Alicia Chapman could have easily been sent off. So Canada uh, really made it physical, but they were unable to muster enough, really create the opportunities that they needed to, to, to be able to do so in goal. So the United States were able to do so. Alex Morgan, of course, continuing her rare scoring form and with her game winner to seal the deal at 2-0, that was enough to take the Golden Boot Award away from Adriana Leon, who had six goals, and if they'd remain on six six goals each, uh, then it would have gone, the tiebreaker would have been assists, and Leon had more assists, so uh, Morgan getting that seventh goal was huge, and another piece of hardware for her, but first, before we get into to Alex Morgan and her greatness, I wanted to get take the opportunity to talk about the starting 11, or excuse me, the best 11 from the CONCACAF championship. Eight of the 11 players were American, and uh, that is absolutely expected. I don't think that uh, we should have expected anything less, but the three players that did make it that were not American, definitely we would like to highlight. The first is Jesse Fleming, who is a force. Uh, again, our Woman Crush Wednesday piece uh, from this past week. She was our profiled athlete, currently goes to UCLA. Um, the fact that she is 15, I mean, not 15, she started her Canadian international career when she was 15, which is, you know, she's got 57 appearances already. Uh, and she hasn't even graduated college yet. So she is in a great position to be 
really the heir apparent to Christine Sinclair when it comes to carrying the the banner for Canadian soccer because as as we'll hear later on in our interview with Sam Green, uh, Jesse Fleming is is a standout not just both both on and off the field. Uh, the second player also from Canada was Rebecca Quinn. Uh, she was, I mean, this was a great tournament for her for sure because um, she didn't have the best rookie season uh, for the Washington Spirit, unfortunately, and you know that was that was a tough situation for for them to be in, and uh, you can only hope that she's going to get better there. Her and Andy Sullivan were really asked to do so much, but then when you see her play in this Canadian team where she's surrounded by great players. You know, that's when you really get to see how how talented she is, because you you kind of raise your level of game when when you have so many great players around you. So she looked really solid at the back and could be a potential piece for Canada. But hopefully, she can put it together in the NWSL next year as well. And of course, last but not least, Yenneth Bailey, who we've talked about many times, the best goalkeeper of the tournament, and uh, that was an easy choice. Uh, her, her courage, her commitment to her team, Panama uh, were able to, you know, almost make history. They still go to a playoff against Argentina. They were unable to defeat Jamaica, but, you know, Yenneth Bailey will have to be um, at her absolute best in, in this playoff if they want to beat Argentina, who feature players like Estefania Benini, also a Washington Spirit player. So that'll be a fun playoff when that comes around. But... Hopefully for CONCACAF and for Panama, they can they can pull off the upset and, and clinch what would be a huge World Cup berth. Now moving on to Alex Morgan. Um, really, what can you say about her? 24 goals in 24 games. That is a kind of scoring run that you simply don't see in soccer at all. Uh, you have to be really, really dominant, really, really prolific, and we get it, you know, Morgan is the true uh, center forward striker, right? Like, she can do everything in and around the box, but you have to get her the ball first. She needs the service to succeed. Uh, And that's kind of what really hurt her in Orlando. I think, uh, other than Marta, you look at who could get her the ball in, in the areas that you know, that she's able to do her best, and that's, you know, score goals. Not much up there, mostly at the back looking to play long balls over the top, and that just is not a style that is well-suited to Alex Morgan. So when you see her in the U.S. Women's National Team and you see the ball movement and the intricate play, that is perfectly suited for her because that allows for Megan Rapino and Tobin Heath to, to create and, and do their thing and, and put in crosses into the box that Morgan will happily finish. So... Until the Pride are able to to find talent like that or even remotely similar who can do those similar things um, in terms of just create, they will be much, much better off uh, moving forward. But talk about her greatness. She is three goals away from 100, okay? She has been... It's been seven years, okay? And if you're looking at the longevity of all, some of the other all-time greats, right, in terms of USA soccer, you're looking at Michelle Akers, you're looking at Mia Hamm, you're looking at Abby Wambach, right? Those are probably the top, Christine Lilly, uh, 
they all have made a tremendous amount of appearances and scored a bunch of goals as well. They're all right there near the top. Christine Sinclair, believe it or not, is only seven goals behind Wambach. But Alex Morgan, with the pace that she is on, right? If she could have, you know, the kind of career, if she can remain healthy and remain consistent for the next seven years, and she were able to double it and retire, happily retire, with at this goal-scoring pace, she would probably catch Abby Wambach, which would be sensational. And then we have to start putting her in some of the, you know, greatest of greatest player of all time discussions, you know, when we're talking about the women's game. So uh, certainly one of the greatest strikers ever already. So, you know, her her pace and and what's so interesting is is how literally the US women's national team never loses when Mo- Alex Morgan scores. Okay, there's there's stats out there. They're one loss. Okay. One loss was that a loss, that gut-wrenching loss to Sweden uh, in the Olympics. And, of course, that was Pia Suntaga, who definitely had some insider information on this USA team and knew exactly how to really push their buttons and, and frustrate them, and it, and it absolutely worked. Morgan still scored in that game, but, yeah, they have not lost the game that she has scored in. So when you look forward to the success and failure of the USA, right? That's that's the key, but it's also a potential way to, to limit this, this side because if Morgan's going to be in there, there are going to be tougher European teams such as France, such as Germany, uh, who are, you know, England, Australia, who are going to try and prevent that. And then, of course, once you start double-teaming Alex Morgan... It's going to open up space for somebody else, but those countries are clearly going to be content to let someone else beat them rather than Alex Morgan because usually when Morgan scores, it's a romp, right? Usually they're scoring multiple goals at a time. Uh, she has, has, of course, scored, scored some you know clutch, uh, clutch winners at the death, but um, you know she is setting a record pace and. We will have a little bit more content, I believe, later on this week. So be sure to keep your eyes peeled on the website. And again, we just want to thank all of you for listening, tuning in, downloading this on all the different mediums that we have it. Just want to take a quick second to talk about www.girlssoccernetwork.com. Okay, that's obviously our platform. Go there. We've got a ton of great content right now. And of course... Follow us on Instagram where we've got uh, Striker. We've got a new partnership with Strikers Elite, which I will be talking about later in the show. So go to at Girls Soccer Network, right, on Instagram and then on Twitter at Girls Soccer Net. So be sure to, to follow us across all social media platforms. And we've got a lot of great merchandise and a lot of great things going on as well from that perspective. So make sure you go there. Okay, you will not be disappointed. Now, of course, we don't want to just focus on, you know, the American leagues here and, and American soccer. While that is great, we do have international soccer as well. And uh, the W League, believe it or not, is starting up finally. And it, it just started, I believe, this past Thursday. And uh, it's always exciting to see the number of 
NWSL players who go over overseas. And, uh, you know, the teams that are usually the most well-represented are the Chicago Red Stars and the Seattle Reign. Uh so, you know, a lot of different players on Perth Glory. So Sam Kerr, uh, Alyssa Mounts, Nikki, uh, Nikki Stanton. So we've got a lot uh, a lot of Americans there. Katie Naughton, I believe, as well. And then, of course, the defending champions, Melbourne City. Three times in a row they have created uh, history, winning three grand finals in a row. They have seven Seattle Reign players on their roster. Seven which is crazy to think about. Seven. You want to know who they are? I mean, I'm pretty sure you know most of them, right? Here we go. Lauren Barnes, number one. Okay, solid player. Steph Catley didn't play as much for Seattle this year as she would have liked, but she will be a featured player from Albert City. Elise Kellen Knight, another solid uh, Matilda's player recently, I believe, reached 100 caps. Teresa Nielsen provided solid uh, depth for the rain, and I believe right back uh, from majority of the season. Jasmine Spencer, who we know really well from formerly with the Orlando Pride, now Seattle Rain, provides uh, some some craftiness uh, in front of goal and getting in behind defenses. Of course, Jody Taylor, who was a brand new player for the Seattle Rain this year. Uh, Loves to score goals. She was a big part of this Melbourne City run that they've been going on. going on. And, of course, Lydia Williams, the Seattle Rain goalkeeper, she will obviously be featured as their number one as well. So, yeah, the W League is going to be plenty of fun. The FAWSL, meaning the Eng- Women's English Premier League, so to speak, uh, is also underway. So... And we've got some other soccer going on here. And we're, you know, as soon as, you know, the league really starts to pick up and take shape, we can, you know, really delve deeper into how some of those teams look, how the Americans are doing in those leagues, you know. So it's going to be an exciting uh, next couple of months with these two leagues going on at the same time. Okay, it is time for our interview portion of the podcast. And. This is a big one. Uh, Sam Green, an assistant coach with UCLA, a former college player at uh, Northwestern, uh, brings a tremendous amount of experience to this position. This is her second year as an assistant coach at UCLA, and we were fortunate enough to talk with her about the team, how they're doing, what what their hopes are for going the rest of the way in terms of national championship hopes, how the team is looking, how how she deals with some of the experiences and things that she has to go through as a coach so this is uh definitely something that you don't want to miss out so here it is our interview with sam green enjoy sam thank you so much for joining us uh this is your second year as a coach on ucla staff yes correct as a full-time coach actually started as a director of ops where i worked four years and then got promoted and promoted so tell us about what that experience has been like for you as a coach and and joining UCLA's program? I mean, I grew up in Santa Monica, so I'm from the West Side, so I understand the historic value of what UCLA athletics is in general, Um, and then more specifically women's soccer. I mean, Jill Ellis was the head coach when I was growing up. 
um, and making final four or national championship games every single year in a row. Um, so stepping into being someone who can contribute to this program and help the type of athletes that come here and the type of culture we want to set um, is a pretty big honor um, for a coach. And uh, you guys are really approaching the, the business end of this season. What are your thoughts on how the team is doing and how focused is everyone on winning a national title? So we're all about the process. I mean, we've had um, players in and out with national team duty since the spring. We've had about uh, seven to nine players gone at one time. So we're just now at a point where we've developed all season. We got Haley and Jesse back um, from national team qualifiers with CONCACAF. And we're kind of like you said, like looking forward to the end of Pac-12s. I think it really peaks for us at that USC game and making sure like we're playing at StubHub in front of hopefully lots of fans. Um, and then from there, kind of making sure we take it one game at a time. Um, but we're in a really good rhythm. We've kind of started a new formation this year. So we're figuring out just the different combinations of players and we're just all kind of really clicking right now. So it feels really good. And, you know, you mentioned having so many players in and out. How do you guys as a coaching staff deal with, deal with that at so many different points of the season? Yeah, I mean, we're fortunate at UCLA. We're very deep. So those players that are still here are youth national team or elite players. So they're comfortable stepping in and playing minutes. And then it's just kind of that next man up mentality, you know, like next woman up who's, are you preparing when they're, oh, here, so that if they leave, you know, you're prepared to step into that moment. And um, we just, we kind of don't, it's not that we don't address it as a team, but we make sure that everyone's just ready to play. So everyone's ready to fill a role. And and when um, you, you get involved in preparation before games, how much of it is telling your players to get ready tactically versus just telling them to, to follow their instincts when they're out on the pitch? Yeah, we have a lot of really good players, so you never want to take something away from them. What we try to do is build a system or formation or a tactic plan that gives them the platform to make the decision. So a lot of what we do in, in scout film is just making sure we're going over each game will have different strengths and weaknesses. So this team's really good at this, um, maybe against us. They're going to sit in a low block, a high block, a medium block. How can we break that pressure? Where are the, we have basically 10 different ways we can attack. So out of that list of 10, what are going to be the most dangerous um, in this game? And then just making sure we're kind of imprinting those um, patterns in our girl's head. And then they get to decide once the game starts. And you're, you seem obviously very passionate about what you do. Was When your college career ended, was coaching something you always wanted to get into or something that kind of just fell into place? I was always that player that kind of saw the field. Um, I didn't need to be the one who scored the game-winning goal. I wanted us as a team to score the game-winning goal. So um, I would help set play. I might get the assist. I was very vocal and an organizer. So I think naturally um, it kind of came to me. I actually graduated, could have graduated early, but stayed an extra quarter to be the undergraduate assistant at Northwestern. Um, and then really liked it. So from there, I kind of really pursued coaching as an avenue. And it's not something that's easy because there's no like specific pathway for you to get, 
you know, like a career path. Um, but you just have to kind of try to get jobs along the way and like put your creative input into whatever you're doing. Was there anything in particular that you learned in Northwestern that you were able to, to carry over to you here at UCLA? Yeah, I think Northwestern as a school in general just challenges you so much. The academic rigor is really intense. The athletics is really intense. So to be able to perform at a high level, you know that you have to be prepared. Um, so I think that preparation aspect and just being like really studied at what I'm doing um, before I take action, you know, is something that's really helped. And then our job as college coaches is actually on the field is probably 25, 30% of what we do. Um, and off the field is you're kind of running a, a mini business. So it's helped me in all those other aspects as well. Is, is there any coach right now that you see in the women's game whose, whose style you want to emulate as you advance in your career? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think there are tons. There's Anna Hayes, Laura Harvey, um, who are on the pro level, kind of doing it and implementing their style of play, their culture into a program. Um, there's Leslie Gallimore at Washington, who's Amanda Cromwell. Um, these women have taken program and implemented what they think is a winning culture, what, what they want to do for a, for a long period of time. Um, so I think probably those four people, there's so many more. Um, but in terms of kind of like really being the master of their craft, um, those are definitely four people I look up to. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the idea of, of instilling a, a culture. Uh, tell us more about what the UCLA women's soccer program stands for and why it's so important to have the culture that the co coaching staff has created there. Yeah, I mean, you're coming from a, a university and athletic program that was basically not started by John Wooden, but the fundamentals that John Wooden brought in his pyramid of success, you know, about selflessness, cooperation, loyalty, industriousness, like all of these qualities are about um, selfless leaders and kind of a workman mentality. So we, at our program, want to make sure that we care about every single person that's in the program. So it doesn't matter if you play, if you don't play, if you help us with our jerseys, if you're a director of ops, you're a manager, it doesn't matter. Everyone has a valuable role to play. So it's about kind of making sure each individual is self-aware and is able to develop their weaknesses, but also know their strengths and what they provide to the culture. Um, and it's about work ethic, um, infectious influence, so making sure we're infecting each other around us positively at all times. Um, and then, I mean, our attitude and mentality are, is a championship mentality. So we expect to win, um, but we have the heart of an underdog. So we're, we're willing to do the work, but we still expect to win at the end of the day. And, and do you feel there's like there's one player, one leader in the team right now who, who embodies all of those qualities, or is it really just a, a solid unit and group? We have a big leadership group right now, um, which is cool to see because a lot of them are really young, and they're starting to find their own voices. Um, so in terms of selfless leadership, um, I mean, Jesse Fleming is by far uh, the best leader in terms of lead by example and try to um, influence others around you positively. Um, she never has a negative thought in her brain. It's always, 
who I can help, how I can help, and how hard can I work. And then you have another player like who doesn't get as much accolades, like a JC Peterson, um, who's just coming back from injury now, but she gives her absolute self to everyone around her. Um, and then she can add that vocal leadership as well in the field. Um, so I think those two players, and we have, we have t- probably 10 players that I could mention, but um, yeah. Now we know you guys uh, enjoy, enjoy the process and you take it one game at a time and not to look too far ahead, but last game of the regular season is against USC. Uh, how excited is the team for that game, and, and what makes this rivalry uh, what it is? It's pretty special. I think that um, with both teams being so popular in L.A. and there's no women's pro team here, we are kind of the professional teams that people like to support. And so we had, um, I think we, we clinched the Pac-12 title in 2014 at USC and um, we got to play in the Coliseum. Uh, So we had 10,500 people there, which broke the current NCAA record for attendance um, at a regular season game. And the energy that was there was just so epic because you just, they filled up one entire side of the Coliseum and um, it was a close game. I think we ended up winning 2-0, but the fans were in it the whole time. And so then now we've kind of had this rivalry even of, to beat the record and beat the record. So this past season, we hosted at Drake, and we got um, just under 12,000 people at the game. Um, so this might be the game. That, and so then in the championship game, there was only about 1,700 people there. So in terms of like the energy that you feel in the stadium, I think it brings a lot to the game. And then obviously there's USC versus UCLA points. Like we have a cup that goes in between um both athletic departments if all the teams win we end up winning this like big trophy and the victory bell and all of that so you have the school rivalry but you also have two great programs i think that um kadani's done an incredible job with usc and they're both teams that are ready to compete and they want to win um so it makes that playoff environment right before playoffs so it's really cool so it's definitely the biggest game of the year for you guys and, and it's something that you you don't forget pretty easily yeah for sure i think that and the stanford game are the two games that uh, our girls come to ucla to play and uh, and the national championship game we're going of, to the final of, four of obviously. course of, of course of course <laughs> so so again obviously national title aspirations um this is a this is a group you guys fully believe is capable of winning it all. Yes, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. We're also peaking at the right time and bringing in kind of we're becoming healthy at the right time. Like we've had a lot of injuries um, throughout spring. Um, yeah, we're kind of getting all of our horses back. So it'll be interesting to see how we can continue to get in a rhythm. You know, when you have a Haley and a Jesse, they do require the ball more they are big pieces to what we're doing so to transition them into our group um, will be interesting over the next like week or so but um, I think by the USC game we should be flying so it'll be pretty fun again that was Sam Green assistant coach at UCLA Uh, really they are a very very interesting team uh, the Bruins and we will get right into that NCAA tournament preview that we talked about. But first, 
we have a word from one of our sponsors, Topical Gear. Topical Gear was formed in 2011 by a team of professionals from the orthopedic sports medicine field. Collectively, this team has over two centuries of knowledge in athletic training, biomechanics, product development, manufacturing, orthopedic sports medicine, arthroscopy, and the pioneering of products in the orthopedic sports medicine market. Their team is constantly on the field or in the gym, getting feedback directly from parents, players, coaches, and athletic trainers as part of their continuing effort to develop products that help increase female athletes' performance while keeping them healthy. All of their products are backed by professional published research and tested by real athletes at both the high school and college level. All of you soccer players, parents, and, a- and other athletes, go to www.compressioninmotion.com. Okay, so NCAA tournament time. We've got, you know, kind of what we tried to do is take, I would say, about eight teams, eight teams that I really think have the best chance to, to really win it all. Uh, there are more than that. I would say any one of these, you know, there's probably maybe the top ten top 10 to 12 could potentially do it but here are the eight that we at girls soccer network uh like a lot and should be fun to keep an eye on so of course when we when we talk about the best chance of of teams to to really win it all we have to start with the defending champions uh the stanford cardinal led by paul ratcliffe the team that they have in place is is uh Again, they've returned so many stars from last year. The team is just as experienced. How do you, you know, with Jordan DiBiase and Katarina Macario, how do you stop them? Uh, they've pretty much gone unbeaten this whole year. The one blemish on their schedule is a draw with Santa Clara, one of the other teams that we will mention shortly, uh, which was their own, which was a, a draw uh, after after two overtimes. So. Stanford, I mean, they just look like they're going to do it again. I mean, there's no one really that has come close other than Santa Clara to really stopping them. They've allowed seven goals all year and produced just as many assists as they have goals. All right, 41 assists to 44 goals. You know, the rest of the field is going to have their work cut out for them. They're going to have to hope that they play the perfect game to beat Stanford because that's really the only way that you can beat them second team and of course we just heard Sam Green talk about this earlier UCLA and Amanda Cromwell and their team uh, unfortunately they will be I think a little hurt by uh, a couple of losses earlier on in the year in terms of seeding but do not let that fool you they are one of the elite teams in the country it was difficult for them I'm sure to to have Haley Mace and Jesse Fleming in and out of the lineup, but now to have them back, it just adds so much more firepower to this team with Anika Rodriguez. You know, they're. I think at the end of the day, they really want another crack at Stanford because after the way things went last year, I really think, you know, they have a tremendous opportunity to to contend and and make this a really, really fun NCAA tournament, right? There are so many great teams that can win it. That's what makes it so much fun when you have all these different teams with such talented players, players who come from all over, not just all over America, but from 
internationally as well you know that's what makes this so much fun and that's what makes that's why it's translated so well to the nwsl anyway you know the third team be the team if you will the powerhouse north carolina anson dorrance as solid as ever they've got two losses on their schedule and those two losses were of course to santa clara and stanford so uh they're also in that upper echelon in that upper you know area of great you know great great teams they have a a really solid core of players their best player most likely in terms of this year has been alessia russo who hails from kent england uh, similar to, you know, looking to blaze a similar trade to Rachel Daly. And, and there have been others who have also played, you know, college soccer here who have come over from England. So it's very exciting for, for her. You've also got Taylor Otto, Dorian Bailey, and Julia Ashley. So some really solid players for this Tar Heels team. The question is, do they have what it takes in the midfield especially to take down a team like Stanford? Uh, you really don't know. You really don't know. Number four, Duke. Robbie Church has done a tremendous job, and last year they too were one of the best teams in the country, just could not come up with the goods when it mattered most. But, again, they were cream of the crop this year as well, and they will be a team to watch in the ACC tournament leading up to the NCAA tournament. Kayla McCoy, Taylor Rakopi, and Kat McDonald are the impact players for this team. And, you know, they'll be eager to try and finish the job this year as well. You're looking at UCLA, you're looking at Duke, two teams that made it pretty far last year. And uh, that always hurts, and that's definitely going to be on your mind. And you definitely don't want it to be Stanford again, especially. You really don't want Stanford to do it twice, to be that dominant, uh, which is especially rare in today's day and age there's so much parity when it comes to just sport in general so to have this you know level to go back to back in women's college soccer uh with with how competitive things are in terms of recruiting you know everyone's caught up to north carolina so it's it's going to be a very fun tournament duke the blue devils will be fun of course next up the trojans recent NCAA champions they also have built up a tremendous amount of history themselves recently their only loss on the year is to Stanford as well a 1-0 game in overtime I mean as close as it gets no matter what's what no matter what bracket they get put in right and and if and it depends on seed if USC somehow ends up as a four seed you could put them in the same region as Stanford and they end up meeting potentially for us in the, in the sweet 16 or maybe even elite. No, it, w- it would be the sweet 16. If they were a four seed, if, if they were a two or a three, they could potentially meet in the elite eight for a spot in the final four, which, which would be huge. You know, USC is a very interesting team. Uh, they've got, a freshman, Penelope Hawking, who has 12 goals. Leah Pruitt, not far behind, the senior with 11. And they've got a player in Savannah DeMello who was very important from their, for, for them last year, now dishing it out with assists. She's got nine. The Trojans are also going to be a very formidable opponent. And 
uh, under Coach McAlpine, they've really, I mean, having won the national championship, they will feel really good about their chances coming into the tournament. Next, this is my dark horse to, to get to a Final Four, but they will need a lot to go their way. The Florida State Seminoles, and we've talked about Dana Castellanos, the Venezuelan, uh, is scoring goals like it's nobody's business at every single level, and she's really making, uh, really carrying Florida State to to a new level in terms of a big-time program, and she's she's added kind of like a culture and a flair that you don't see. And then you also have the Irish woman, Megan Connolly, who also is a highly touted player. Two players who I definitely expect to see at the next level. Hopefully, hopefully, Castellanos decides to, to come to the NWSL. Uh, just a fun electric player to watch. They need, they need to score a lot of goals because um, defending uh, isn't exactly their strong suit. Yuli Zhao will also need to, to be on her best game as well. But really, at the end of the day, the Seminoles will go as far as Castellanos takes them. So we will see. We will see how the Seminoles fare. Next up, the perennial powers, Santa Clara. Jerry Smith has been there for, I want to say... 31 years okay that is a long time he's turned the broncos from a small west coast conference school into a perennial power when it comes to women's soccer um they are a very very balanced team in terms of scoring you've got two players tied for most on the team with seven in maddie gonzalez and kelsey hedge and two players tied for six goals kelsey turnbow and skylar smith a solid core like that uh is one as i mentioned earlier that held this you know the champ stanford to a 1-1 draw earlier in the year you know the broncos are the real deal but but as i say that uh they just uh went down to byu believe it or not an opportunity to win the west coast conference conference championship crown lost to byu which means their shot at a number one seed is in danger which is a shame because they've been one of the best teams in the country for sure have beaten a bunch of great teams but this loss to BYU and the timing of it will hurt their seeding so they probably move down to the two line become a two seed and then I mean you're looking at uh, the team that may take their place and that is the Georgetown Hoyas Dave Nolan has turned this program into a big time power in the Big East you know, it was with St. John's. Now it's looking like Georgetown is starting to take their place. They're going for their third straight conference title. Uh, that's tradition, man. That takes a, a culture, a winning culture that they've been able to create there. Uh, the star, again, Caitlin Farrell, uh, can really do it all for this team. Had 15 goals uh, up to date, and she'll look to definitely add to that total in the tournament. And what's also interesting is that they have a graduate transfer, Kyra Carusa. Um, of course, one of it's this is more properly done in, in college football among quarterbacks, but you can graduate and extend and pursue your master's degree, or just pursue any your postgraduate education at another school for an extra year. So 
for Carusa to come off winning a national championship at Stanford and then to immediately, you know, go to Georgetown for a year, I think speaks a lot to that program. And um, it's obviously the education that she's getting there as, as well as how good the team is. So Georgetown will be a fun team to watch. Um, and the Hoyas are, believe it or not, still unbeaten, have not lost a game. They've got three draws, which means they are solid and tough defensively. That's just how the Big East is, man. The East Coast, um, you know, I miss the, I, I love the Big East. That's just me. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to have a little bit of bias there with the Big East. So I will definitely be rooting for Georgetown. Although, I mean, we really know that women's college soccer is run by two conferences, and that's the, the Pac-12 first and foremost and uh, the ACC, right? Those two conferences are going to have the most amount of teams in the tournament. And also, the, I mean, the SEC definitely is in the discussion, but in terms of winning national championships, right, we look at the ACC and we look at uh, the Pac-12. Okay, earlier on we mentioned Strikers Elite. Uh, they are a really great academy based out in California. We've teamed up with them at Girls Soccer Network to do a hashtag Tuesday Touches series. So every single week we've been putting out videos and drills on how you can improve your dribbling, your first touch, and everything else under the sun uh, to, you know, whatever you can to help yourself become a better player. And so we're happy to, you know, announce that partnership with them. It's been, you know, in the works for a while, and we've been doing this for for the last couple of months. And uh, we have a couple words on who they are and what they do. Striker Elite trainers are qualified and have extensive playing and coaching experience. Whether you're a club player looking to take your game to the next level, or a college or aspiring professional player, they will help you fulfill your goals. Here's a little bit about what they do. They provide elite one-on-one -on -one training, partner training, small group training, and team training along with elite level camps. Their trainers are trained with their coaching values and their specific curriculum with teaching objectives that are meant to truly satisfy and fulfill the utmost requirements of their certification process. For more information, go to www.strikerelitesoccer.com. I mean, when you if you get a chance to go check out the site and really what they're about, they're, uh, you know, George Nahorski, who's the guy who, who really runs the show at Strikers Elite, uh, has tremendous credentials every single coach that they have as well uh has a tr is is really um not only certified at at a tremendously high level but has played at the highest level as well you know he learned from the best um at the iax academies um and they are known world renowned i mean it's obviously started with johan cruyff but they are really the pioneers when it comes to developing youth talent and even in today's game you know, IX have produced some of the best young talent around. And so, you know, it's, we're really, really excited about this. And you definitely, definitely um, want more information. Again, go to www.strikerleadsoccer.com. Okay, so we are down to the final portion of our show. Uh, the social media and lifestyle portion. We've got a couple of things we want to mention to you uh, in terms of what's going on on our site. Our holistic health coach, Jen Hoy, who has periodically been uh, posting videos for us 
uh, on different t- uh, tips and tricks in terms of how you can help yourself in terms of feeling better mentally, uh, physically, and spiritually. Uh, she's got this great video, quick, short, about the importance of adding nuts to your diet. Some really useful stuff there, of course. She plays for Sky Blue FC. And another important announcement, Erica Timrak, Utah Royals midfielder, former NWSL Rookie of the Year in 2013, is also joining us as our resident vegan soccer player with Thursday, November 1st being National Vegan Day. So that's going to be really exciting as well. And lastly, this is huge. This is huge news. 21 NWSL players completed the first module of the USC the U.S. Soccer C license, and we talked about this uh, a couple episodes ago, but the fact that they started this and, and it's underway, and um, really to get to see the players there firsthand uh, and, and just how excited they were, uh, it's it, this is truly exciting. This is really, truly exciting because this is the only way we're going to get women to truly take over the sport. So we don't really have many men's coaches anymore. Because, you know, they mentioned it themselves that they believe they see the game a little bit differently than men do. And uh, I totally agree. And I think it can be, and you know, they should be the ones who are the driving force in, in women's soccer and, and building it up as much as possible. And, and what's really cool about this is once these coaches start to get assistant coaching jobs and then they move up the ranks and eventually get managerial positions, if they have enough success... This is how coaching trees are are built, and we're looking at like down the line. As long as we can continue this with our NWSL, right, or whatever professional league we have, right, you're looking at a great coach who then shares all of their philosophies and all of their teachings down to their assistants, and then their assistants branch off, right, to different programs and different teams, right, spread their philosophy, and then they. You know, it's like a, it is like a tree. It's a consistent process. Then they spread their knowledge, right? And this is how different philosophies uh, of soccer have come about, whether at both the college or professional level. So in order to, this is really how the game is going to evolve and change by getting a more female perspective. We've, you know, we need more female managers uh, across the board. I mean, we really do. And uh, yeah, so this is the first step in that. And of course, there were some very, very big names on this list as well. Might as well read out a couple. Nicole Barnhart, Ashley Hatch, Haley Kottmeyer, Ali Krieger, Heather O'Reilly, Abby Smith, Rosie White, Beverly Yanez. I mean, this is really going to change how we look at the women's game once these women are able to progress and once you know once their careers are over once they get into coaching hopefully you know this could be the start of something major so this is really really exciting and uh hopefully you know in the near future we will get to see every single nwsl team have a female coach that would that's i mean that's that's the goal right to hopefully just you know have it that way for as for as long as we possibly can so with that being said that is it for episode five of give and go thank you to everyone for tuning in man 
it is a crazy time in the world of women's soccer. Yes, the NWSL is off, but again, college soccer is at an all-time high. The NCAA tournament will be going on. The W League will be going on, and the FAWSL will be going on, so we will have a lot to talk to by the next episode. And again, before we sign off, Give and Go is presented in partnership with Listening Party, the creators of Family FM. Follow the crew on Instagram at Listening Party Presents and at Canal Street Market. All right, thanks, guys. This is Rotas Wadera signing off.